We would like to begin this podcast by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the lands in which we gather and speak today. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening. Sovereignty has never been ceded and the treaty was never signed. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Yeah, I've seen some improvements, but not exactly what I was hoping to see so far. So um, I'm still hopeful that there will be a treatment option that will help me a lot physically. Um, But I think that if I put all of my hope in a type of treatment, then I'm going to be constantly waiting and living my life waiting for something that's not here yet. And so it's, you need to find that balance between working hard to take care of yourself and working toward recovery and working toward helping your symptoms, but also not living your life in limbo, looking for you know things to get better physically. Um, yeah. Because there's so much that you can accomplish and so much hope and joy that you can find even right now, even in the midst of all of this. And so that balance is so hard to find sometimes, especially, you know, if you're having a hard day or you're flaring or it's like, oh my gosh, am I always going to be this way? But there really is so much hope and joy, um, even in the moment, even in the hard moments. And it doesn't always mean that you're happy and smiling all the time. And sometimes it means that you're faking the smiles. But um, yeah. There's definitely, I didn't think that I would be able to actually smile. FND doesn't discriminate with age, sex or race. It affects all types of people in all walks of life. Welcome to my FND reality where we are having conversations with people with FND. They are sharing their time and energy. They are sharing their stories, their experiences. This is Real Life with FND. My FND Reality. Welcome to this episode of My FND Reality. I'm your host, Daddy, and I hope wherever you are in the world, you are safe and sound and that you're doing okay so far. Can you believe that it's March already this year? My goodness, time's flying by. Well, today's My FND Reality is a special one coming all the way from America. She is wonderful lady who, like many of us, has FND. However, she's been gracious enough to share her experience and her story, not only on the podcast, but on the internet, on Instagram as well, in the FND community. And she does it in hopes to help and inspire those out there. Her name is Sydney, and you can follow her on Instagram on the Anne Girl. That's her name there. And... um. You know, there have been plenty of hiccups along the way to finally talk to each other, but we were finally able to catch up and talk, and I'm so glad that we did. So without further ado, why don't we just jump right in and talk to Sydney. Tell me more about your journey, as in how did you arrive with your FND diagnosis? Yes. So um, I had unexplained chronic pain for about a year and I couldn't figure out where it was starting from. I assumed for a little while that it was from an old injury that was acting up and slowly spreading and becoming more intense. So after about eight months or so, I went to the doctor to get it checked. And by that, it was 
it was very debilitating and all over my body and they couldn't figure out what was happening. So eventually I got the diagnosis of fibromyalgia and I just assumed that that was what was going on. Um, and it kept progressing. And then March of the following year, I got married and two weeks after our honeymoon, my husband and I were driving back from a date and my hands went paralyzed and I couldn't feel anything below my elbows. So we went to the hospital, they couldn't find anything. They sent us home. And a week after that, I lost use of my legs and it just started progressing. No one could figure out what was going on. And I lost sense of touch, sense of taste, ability to speak. That's when I started getting seizures. And so the ER doctors, um, they told me that I needed to stop going in there and did to get um, testing that they didn't have equipment for. And they were getting frustrated. They were saying uh, that I might be dying. And so they sent me back to my home state for emergency testing and sat MRIs. And it was there that I was finally seen by a neurologist who looked at my scans for five minutes and told me that I had FMD. I had no idea what that was. And he said that it was caused by very trauma and sent me home and canceled all of my MRIs and referred me to a therapist. And I was so frustrated because the way that he presented it made it sound like it wasn't even a real disease and I had no idea what was going on. So I did a lot of research on my own and it was kind of through that research that I started to understand more about what FMD was and that this is actually a real thing. And just trying to navigate my symptoms and um, figure, figure out how, where to go from here, so. Yeah, it would have been absolutely terrifying first and foremost to number one, go through all these symptoms for eight months and have no idea then to be told hey you're dying, <laughs> you're dying. Yes. Get sick. then to have all these barrage of tests to then go to the neurologist and say hey within five minutes you've got this diagnosis be so flippant about it mm -hmm. and to feel so just I don't know, tossed about like this, it would have been so emotional for you and your new husband having to be from like a healthy person to another person all at once. That must have been so traumatic for you. And um, then to have that diagnosis, yeah, definitely difficult. Yeah. Yes. And I think Man. that. What um, did you with yeah and with fnd most of the stories i've heard it comes on so quickly and you have someone who's just living a healthy normal lifestyle and is active and doesn't expect anything like that to ever happen to them and it's amazing how quickly it can happen um where it went from you know going on five mile walks every day just for fun to driving home from a date night and all of a sudden I can't feel my hands and yeah. it's just yeah it's been a progression ever since then and it was quite the emotional whiplash I guess to go back and forth between okay am I dying or 
is am I going to get better or is this how it's just going to be for the rest of my life? And I guess, um, you know, you would have thought that your diagnosis would have been handled much more nicer as well um, or much more better for yourself too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, there's not much. I don't think many people know what FND is. I've never heard of anyone who I've just met that knows what I'm talking about, um, including many doctors. And so I had no file really for what he was talking about. And it almost sounded like he was saying, you're just stressed out and that's why you can't walk anymore. So it was, it was very confusing to get that diagnosis. And especially when I was so convinced that something was very, very wrong, like dangerously wrong. And I needed to figure out what that was. Yeah, well, you were you were just told that you were dying. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and you know these symptoms when you're experiencing it firsthand as well, because I was doing it too. Like um, for myself, I I was losing my eyesight. Um, I was losing right. the ability to talk. I was losing the ability to walk in a very short time as well. Those are very serious symptoms for someone firsthand so when someone says hey you know it's all due to stress it doesn't feel that way when you're experiencing it firsthand as well um so when you when you do get diagnosed it does feel as though you are on your own devices as well you you do have to do your own research too is that the reason why you started your own instagram as well to help others is um it's part of the reason so when i first got diagnosed um i think it took me a long time to realize that i wasn't an imposter for my own disease or for being disabled and to come to a place where i was okay with accepting that part of me yeah. and also not being embarrassed to show it to others it took me months to accept that i needed to use a cane or uh, some sort of mobility aid and just try to navigate those symptoms, not just in privacy, but also knowing that I can't hide this part of myself when I go out in public or when I'm around other people. And I felt when I first got diagnosed that, hey, my life is over. Like I'm not gonna be able to take care of myself or live independently. I won't be able to go back to school. And whenever I found someone else like online who was struggling with FMD, it seemed that that idea just kept getting confirmed for me that this was it and I was not ever going to get better. And so as I started trying to step back into that lifestyle and go back to school and live on my own and navigate all of this independently, I realized that if at the beginning of my diagnosis, I had seen someone who had kept going and was able to still accomplish the things that she wanted to within all of this disability and it wasn't embarrassing and it didn't have to be hidden and it wasn't the end of her life, that it would have been so encouraging to me. And so that was the main reason that I started the Instagram account. And it also was a way to process my it own is. emotions and a way to cope because whenever I was struggling with something, I now had an opportunity to talk about it and like tell the truth to myself as I was telling the truth to other people. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's um really good because that's part of the journeys sometimes with um the others on the FND podcast. They get to share as well their experiences and their journey as well. And it's really cathartic yes. in a sense to actually witness and, you know, hear it. Um, <laughs> your reels are so relatable. <laughs> They're hilarious. The last one especially. <laughs> oh, my God. The unsolicited medical. <laughs> I swear, I think that's why a lot of people like would just look at the reels and just laugh. And it's kind of, it's not just F and D, it's just chronic illness in general. Because <laughs> you hear about it and it's just so I think you probably have heard it um in such a short time because I think you were um diagnosed what last year, isn't it? That you were, but you, yes. You get here a lot. So <laughs> how did you get the, is that the same inspiration for your reels as well? Like, you know, things that you hear uh, whilst you're, you know, disabled and, you know, chronically ill. Let's just. Yes, definitely. Yeah, all of the reels are based off of things that I'm experiencing and a lot of the things that you experience as someone who's disabled or struggling with a chronic illness, it's like you have to laugh or you're going to cry. And there's so much common experience. Um, and I didn't realize that until I found this community on Instagram of all of these people that are experiencing very similar things. And so it, it's, it's really fun to be able to share that experience with others in a humorous way because it just makes you feel better about it. <laughs> I just couldn't laugh. I couldn't stop laughing about it. I was just like, yes, drink more water. Yes. That's how. You know, it, yes, it just goes to show like you know, we're all in the same boat. It's the same like, you know, if you just think more positively, I promise you, you're going to get better. I mean, I just heard that yesterday from one of my friends and I'm just going, yes. If I did that yes. I, and I think about that, I would have been okay already. Stop saying that. Yeah, why didn't we think of this earlier? <laughs> yes. And it's, I feel like that might be even more common with um, a disease like FND where you don't exactly understand what's going on and it's so often linked to stress and trauma. But it's such a complex brain condition. It's not as if you can just isolate it to a single cause. And I mean, we can know that when we're doing everything right, you could just have a flare come up and you have no idea why. Um, oh, and absolutely. so that can be hard because you don't always have, you don't have all of the answers, but you know, it's not just that one thing. No, no. As um, as I was saying to so many times, well, actually, I've been saying it so many times. It's a dynamic condition. Um, you could be you and me. We're talking just really well right now, and you know, we could be walking, doing it. You know, everything under the sun. Next moment, we could be falling over ourselves. Um, we could be a completely different person won't be able to talk. Um, at the moment, my eyesight is going, is coming and going. So it's just, it's crazy. You, we could be a totally different person so in a blink of an yeah. eye and yeah. wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know it. 
So, yeah. yeah, it is very strange. It is very strange. Can I just ask, because you are recently diagnosed too, and it's hard to believe because, you know, you seem like you've come so far in such a short period of time. It's amazing. Um, how did you come to terms with being like disabled and accepting mobility aids, as you were saying before? Like that's a pretty big leap right there. Yeah, honestly, um, my husband was the biggest help to me in the beginning. And when, when I went out in public and I refused to use a mobility aid, I would just cling to his arm the whole time and pretend everything was okay. And yeah. I would often lose the ability to walk still, and he would just carry me from the car to the house, and he helped me so much. But he's in the military, and so we had four months together before his first deployment after our marriage. And I remember when he sat me down on the couch, and he said, darling, I'm going to be deployed soon, and I'm taking my arms with me. <laughs> And he said, I think we really need to get you a mobility aid. So um, he said, we're going to get you one that looks really classy. It will be so fashionable. You'll you'll want to use it. You'll want to take it out. And so he helped me find one that I felt very comfortable with. And he played around with it just as much as I did. And it just became like a normal part of our life and not something that I was ashamed of anymore. So and I think yeah. the hardest transition after that was going out on my own after my husband was deployed. <clears throat> and I realized how not normal it was again. And it was kind of like I needed to grieve that all over again on my own because now I was in school and I was a young person in a new town and everyone wanted to know what was wrong with me. And so uh, there were a lot of kind of intrusive questions and conversations with strangers, as I'm sure you know. And um, it, I tried to reconcile that almost by reacting to the opposite extreme of what I was inclined to. Like, I'm a very quiet person, and I don't like to draw a lot of attention to myself. So when I go out with a cane mm -hmm. and everyone's staring at me, there's that tendency to want to withdraw and to want to disappear even more because here's this thing I'm insecure about and it's the thing that's drawing everyone's attention. But what I try yeah. to do in those moments of instead of wanting, instead of trying to withdraw, I try to act even more confident to compensate for that. So I would stand up straighter and I would try to walk with even more poise and I would meet people's eyes and smile and engage in conversation and just not worry about it. And even though it was in the back of my mind, because I was compensating for it by pretending to be way more confident than I actually felt inside, it actually helped to create more confidence in me. And I think it also helps to remove some of that stigma when people see a young person with a cane and it's not like, oh, that's so foreign and that's so isolated and that's weird. It's like, wow, that person's actually confident and poised and beautiful. And it removes some of the stigma that people associate with mobility aids. I think that's really important for people to actually hear, especially young people. Um, because, yeah. you know, when you hear about mobility aids, you automatically go to the nursing home or the elderly, you know, and oh wait, hello, 
Um, and, and you go, well, it's not really something for the young people, you know. Um, but then you look at people like yourself and what you just said, and it makes perfect sense. Um, and when I looked at your photos and I looked at you with your cane and you're so beautiful and you have your cane and you like, you do exude a lot of confidence as well. You kind of remind me of Selma Blair. You, you kind of, really? like, yeah, you kind of are like that role model for younger people to actually look up to and go, Hey, it is okay to use that mobility aid and it is it like it is like a fashion accessory and it is it is beautiful it that is honestly beautiful. means so much to me that you said that because Selma Blair was the first person I followed on Instagram trying yes. to see like wow this can be beautiful like look how confident and poised and beautiful she is so it's that's well, nice. that's what I got as well. That's what I got from you too. And so, you know, when people, when you say that, it's okay. It's okay. Um, and when mm -hmm. I when I was using my mobility aids, sometimes I look at my room <laughs> and I go, my God, I've got a wheelchair. I have a walking frame. I have a walking stick. It does look like a nursing home room. <laughs> yes. But... In fact, when I do use them outside and when we do go outside or sometimes inside the house, um, you know, I do look at them as, you know, ways to actually be independent and to function for my kids. Um, and it's only just recently that I found um, a walking stick uh, that is actually really pretty and matched my personality and it does make such a big difference so it's a huge difference i guess for people who are listening especially to sydney here if you do find a mobility aid that actually matches your personality and makes you feel good get it use it and use it with confidence don't shy away and you shouldn't really feel as though you know you should shy away from anyone looking at you because you are pretty much awesome. Just saying, Sydney. Yes, and I think <laughs> yeah, one of the things that I realized that I needed to realize was that people with mobility, especially young people, they are going to draw attention because most young people don't have mobility aids, but people aren't always looking at you in judgment. In fact, it's very rare that they're looking at you in judgment. Yeah. Um, people just notice things that are different. And if you're walking with poise and confidence and you're meeting their gaze with a smile, they're yeah. going to be drawn to you because they think you're pretty great, beautiful, and they think, wow, that's so cool. Um, and they're not, they're not judging you for that. So... I think yeah. it's actually, I mean, when I notice someone else with mobility aid, I'm like, yes, I'm looking at them because I just feel a connection. Like, this is so cool. Exactly. Exactly. I think yeah. like before when you were healthy and you were able, right, you really wouldn't have thought twice about it, you know. But I think when you become like this too, you become more self-aware. And then when you mm -hmm. see someone else, you're quite right. You do cheer them on as well, you know. And yeah. it is inspiring too because, in a sense, when you did become 
you know, first diagnosed as well. I'm hearing that you were really scared that, hey, I don't think I can function. And I'm surrounded by people who are like confirming that maybe life isn't going to be the same. Yet here you are, and I'm seeing your stories on Instagram that you're actually progressing and becoming independent and you are working your way through your FND. So you are showing yourself out there as it is possible to actually live with FND as well. So you're being an inspiration to others too. Yes, I, I totally, I am, I'm like 100%. So when it comes to studying, right, because like, you know, first of all, you're, you're showing that you can live with this. I mean, yes, you do struggle. Everyone, everyone falls down with this condition, you know, but we do get up, right? Yes. Just keep going. There's no other option. There's no other option. Just keep going. Secondly, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, you've accepted the mobility aids and that's freaking fantastic. Yes. Um, now with studying though, how is it studying with FND for those who are young or old who are thinking about, you know, considering doing this with FND? How do you do it? Yeah, that's such a good question. And it was something that really definitely scared me in the beginning because even reading would cause seizures sometimes, just the stress and the eyesight. Um, I struggled with the vision problems as well, and it was hard to focus. Um, we, my husband and I would go to a Bible study every week and I could never make it through the Bible study without maybe needing to leave for four seizures. And I was thinking, how on earth am I going to make it through a classroom? And, uh, you know, yeah. in the beginning, I had a hard time telling when my seizures were going to come on. And my husband would tell me, like, you're about to have a seizure. And I would, I would not believe him. I'd be like, no, I don't think so. I'm fine. Aww. And then sure enough, yeah. it would happen. So there were so many different aspects of that that were scary when it came to school. Um, I didn't want to have a seizure in front of everyone. I didn't want to fail my classes. Um, I didn't want to be looked at as someone who couldn't make it through or shouldn't be there. And within the first month, all of my fears happened and I had a seizure in front of the entire school. <laughs> um, and I couldn't walk for a week after I missed a bunch of classes and I failed my first test. But when all of those things happened, I realized that that didn't mean it was over. All of the things that I thought would mean that school was over for me didn't actually mark the end of school. And I made it through each of them. And I'm able to navigate those symptoms so much better now. And I think there were two things that helped me the most and I'm, this is definitely still a learning curve for me, but one of them was definitely communicating what I needed to my professors and just being open and honest with their questions. So I told them at the beginning, like, I have a seizure disorder. I can tell when it's coming on usually, and I'm just going to leave the classroom and I tell it I'm going to have a seizure. I'm going to go to the bathroom or another room or find a place to sit by myself and just ride it out and I'll join class when I'm ready after. So just know that when I leave class, that's what it's for. And if I'm gone for a long time, it's probably just taking longer to recover. And I told them sometimes after a seizure, I'm not able to speak. And so if you call on me in class and I can't speak, 
that's that's the reason. Um, I'm not being disrespectful or anything. I just, I can't speak then. And we just kind of developed a system of understanding where, where I needed help. And recently I actually had to go back to all of my professors and ask for more accommodation, um, possible extensions for deadlines, or I might be missing a few more classes than usual because I've been struggling with this flare. And that took kind of some pride swallowing in a way because I've never asked necessarily for accommodations like that that are um, other than absolutely necessary, but I think it will help. And um, when you're in flares with FND, it's so important not to push yourself too much or your body will basically just force you to shut down. And so that's what I was realizing was happening. And so that that's the second thing where it's realizing what your limits are and trying your best not to push too hard past them. And in a way, it can feel like, all right, I'm in school and I'm in college and I'm doing this full time and I'm working and there's no way I can just do, you know, get through the to-do list without pushing it past my limits. And sometimes it's true. But you have to know what your priorities are. And if you're consistently pushing too much, there's going to be so much less that you actually get done in the long run. And so knowing, all right, I'm studying for a test and I keep having seizures and my eyesight is fading and I need to take a break right now. And if I fail this test, it's not the end of the world. Just, I'm such a perfectionist. And so even just coming to that realization that it was okay if my grades didn't all stay the same and it was okay if I needed to drop classes and it was okay if I took a break before all the work was done, recognizing those boundaries and trying to stay within them and respect them and care for my body was definitely a, a huge thing for me that I'm still working on, but definitely. Wow. Oh my goodness. Like it does take, see, it does take a lot of time and revelations to actually come yes. to this point and you're making them like so quickly for others. It's like, oh, months and <laughs> It doesn't always feel quickly. And it's like even revelations that I made a long time ago, still the practical application is it's hard to stick to them for sure. Yeah. And yeah, I think I would, I would say that even in trying to respect those boundaries, which is so important, like to anyone who's listening, like that's extremely important. You're not going to get better if you don't, if you don't listen to your body in that way. But um in the beginning, I would have thought that what I'm doing now was impossible with the symptoms that I have right now. And so I was able to accomplish more than I thought I could. And I think that would probably be true for a lot of people where it might feel like, okay, I have seizures and I have all of these things that are happening and there's no way I can accomplish what I want to. And just you probably can accomplish more than you think. Like you might surprise yourself. And if you try and it doesn't work, then that's okay. And yeah, I think that's that's the best advice, especially for a newly diagnosed person. Basically. Because when you're newly diagnosed, it feels like the end of the world. Um I feel like when you're newly diagnosed, well, that's when you're at work two is when everything's coming through really hard and really fast as well so 
<laughs> yeah. I think I think you do have on um, your description for your Instagram. It was like two Corinthians twelve. Was it verses twelve to nine? Yes. I'm just going to read it out. So it's um, it says. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the nun gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me or on me. Is there a particular reason why you put that verse up? Yes, definitely. So that has been a verse that I've gone back to many, many times because I like to think of myself as a strong person. And when I became diagnosed and I got sick, I did not feel like a strong person anymore. And I was struggling with physical strength. I was struggling with mental and emotional strength. And there were so many times that I wanted to give up and I thought, just I'm just not gonna make it, like this is going too hard. And it was not just the struggle, it was the complete shift in identity in seeing myself in a different way where I was seeing myself as weak or broken or helpless or dependent. And I didn't like seeing myself in that way. Um, but I think what, what that verse means um, in a context is that as humans, we're all weak and broken and dependent and yeah. helpless. And we all need to be saved. And we're we're sinners and we're lost and we're broken and we can't actually save ourselves we don't actually have strength in ourselves and for those of us who are sick or disabled we have the luxury of actually recognizing that truth like we know that truth better than anyone else and so as a christian um when i see that weakness i realize that i need grace i need someone who is actually strong who can save me and so the way that god works through weakness is by giving us his strength and by saving us and so by putting my trust in him and knowing that he is going to work through this weakness i'm able to rely on his strength that he's given me so that when i feel weak i realize that i'm actually strong in him that is so beautiful Oh my goodness, that is so beautiful. And you know, I look at you and I don't see a weak person at all. In fact, it's all just strength to strength to strength to strength. And I'm um, looking from the first post all the way to the last post. It's nothing but, you know, stepping up and going with your faith as well. And seeing that support that you have around you as well is just boosting you mm -hmm. up as well. So it is just inspirational. And you're helping others with your journey too, um, with your reels. You're making us laugh. <laughs> so thank you so much for that. Um, what is your hopes with the FND for the future? What would you like for it? for everyone to progress with this yeah um, it's <laughs> i'm definitely still trying to figure this out and what this is supposed to look like and um there's i know that there's a lot of possible treatment options that have worked for a lot of people 
And it almost seems like one of those things where you throw a bunch of paint at the wall and you see what sticks. And um, so for me, I've tried a few of those and uh, physical therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy. And uh, yeah, I've seen some improvements, but not exactly what I was hoping to see so far. So um, I'm still hopeful that there will be a treatment option that will help me a lot physically. Um, but yeah. I think that if I put all of my hope in a type of treatment, then I'm going to be constantly waiting and living my life waiting for something that's not here yet. And so it's you need to find that balance between working hard to take care of yourself and working toward recovering, working toward helping your symptoms, but also not living your life in limbo, waiting for you've you know things to get better physically um yeah. because there's so much that you can accomplish and so much hope and joy that you can find even right now even in the midst of all of this and so that balance is so hard to find sometimes especially you know if you're having a hard day or you're flaring or it's like oh my gosh am i always going to be this way but there really is so much hope and joy um even in the moment, even in the hard moments. And it doesn't always mean that you're happy and smiling all the time. And sometimes it means that you're faking the smiles, but um, yeah, there's definitely, I didn't think that I would be able to actually smile um, with this condition for a long time. And I definitely have. And so I think it's important to allow yourself to have those dreams and to allow yourself to hope and to allow yourself to find joy and um, to actually start looking for those things. Well, thank you so much for sharing your FND reality with us. And, you know, hopefully people who are listening, especially young people, will be able to gain so much from this as well. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a blessing. <laughs> thank you. And that, my friends, was Sydney. And it was such a pleasure to talk to her. And I'm so glad that we got together and talked. It actually was really refreshing to hear that in the period of time when I was talking to her, that she wanted to let others know that it was possible to be okay to be independent with FND, with your mobility and to study and work with what you have. I'm really proud of her. And please follow her on Instagram if you can on the Anne girl. That's her um, Instagram name there. The reels are so relatable and hilarious and she's just all round wonderful. So thank you again, Sydney, for talking with me on the podcast and I hope that we can talk again. Well, on that note, wherever you are in the world, it is trying times and I mean every word when I say this and I do every single time, but this time especially, please, please, please stay safe. Please stay safe, guys, wherever you may be. Love hard and peace. Take care, everybody, and hug all your loved ones. All right, you take care now. And hopefully we'll hear from you again soon on the MyFND Reality. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining in and listening to me and our guest on the FND podcast, My FND Reality. I really appreciate you coming and listening in. I'm actually inviting you to actually join in the conversation. What have you learned about the guest today and about what we've talked about? If you'd like, 
leave a comment on the Facebook and Instagram post. I'd really like to know. Also, feel free to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Also, follow me on Instagram there at the FND Podcast. Keep learning about FND, spreading the word, supporting the FND organizations all around the world. And even telling your lived experience with FND will help. Every little bit helps in the world of FND and being an FND warrior, as we all are, each and every one of us, FND warriors. Also, if you'd like more information about FND, the following links are www.neurosymptoms.org by leading neurologist Professor John Stone, who specialises in FND. For those in Australia, www.fndoz.org.au, FND Australia Support Services, and also FND Hope's website, of course, at www.fndhope.org. Check those links out. Okay, well, I really appreciate you coming all along and see you next episode of My FND Reality. And as always, stay safe, love hard, and have a good one. Thank you so much to everyone who talks on this show. And with light and love, peace.